0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up in a punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had the life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest, huge guest for everyone in my house. Everyone in my house is excited about this one. Theo Kogan from the band The Lunachicks is here. One of the authors of the brand new uh, Fallopian Rhapsody, The History of the Lunachicks, along with the rest of the Lunachicks. And it is a phenomenal book. I read it um well I read it before the interview and it is definitely it is incredible. We get into all this in one second. But first if you want to get in touch with me head over to the email address turned out a punk podcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire Tristan Abraham and he will get the message to me. And of course as always thank you Tristan for all the hard work you do for the show. I love you buddy. And if you want to find me I am on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling all your friends about him, about it, letting them all know that we do this podcast twice a week here now, twice, maybe three times. I think we might have a three episode week next week. Uh, but we do this podcast, and we have tons of different types of guests on, and it's all just you know talking about punk and hardcore and 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 you know and everything in between. And on the other side, so, you know, like new wave and anyway. Tom, we got this podcast. You can all support the show by heading over to uh, patreon.com slash turned out a punk. And thank you to everyone that does do that because it really does keep this thing going. And uh check out some of the fun stuff we do over there at Patreon as well. Uh, and speaking of support, the show would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, do what you do. Just don't do it out of your own pocket. And I, I can't thank them enough for doing that. Thank you to them for doing that because uh yeah they 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 support the show they help me uh you know there's there's costs in doing a podcast you know there's there's weird costs in doing a podcast there's stuff that you have to pay for that i never thought you'd have to pay for when you did this you certainly don't have to pay for this stuff when you do your own zine you know but anyway i digress thank you to vans for believing in this thing all right on to today's show i am I'm wired. I had a coffee. I'm super tired because we're we're still, you know, homeschooling up here, virtual schooling, I should say, up here, and it is it is hard. Support teachers. Support teachers. Oh, oh, oh. they they have a hard job. Um, because I'm I'm only doing with three kids and it's it's draining. So I've had a coffee and I'm I'm feeling a little uh, a little amped. Little little jittery right now. But anyway. The band I play in, Fucked Up, has just uh, celebrated the 10th anniversary of our album, David Comes to Life. And it is being reissued by Matador Records. And there's going to be a supplemental LP of some B-sides and some singles we put out back then. And you can also check out David's Town now on streaming services. And anyway, we're also going to be coming out on tour. Holy shit, does that feel very... Uh, very exciting and very weird to say, but we are going to be going out on tour in January, uh, coming to hopefully a a town near you. More dates will probably be announced. Don't worry. Um, for, for other cities. So if we're not there near you yet, don't worry. Um, and yeah, we, I look forward to it. I really, really, holy. Oh my gosh. I look forward to it. I can't wait. Can't wait to see everyone again. Okay. Okay. On to today's show. Today on the show, huge guest, huge guest for everyone in my house. Everyone. Lauren, for the first time ever, Lauren uh, stayed down here in the studio with me to meet Theo before we recorded a podcast because she wanted to to just talk to her and say what a big influence she is on her. Theo Kogan from the Lunachicks is here. And my gosh, the whole family is excited. The kids love the Lunar Chicks as well. The Lunar Chicks, of course, are a legendary band that went on hiatus and is now finally coming back to life. They have a brand new book that is an incredible read called Fallopian Rhapsody. Uh, And you should definitely read this book. I've, you know, powered through it myself. And I cannot recommend this thing enough. Uh, It is out on Hachette.com. Uh, publishing now, and yeah, read this thing. Read this thing. Or oh, there's also an audiobook version too. So listen to this thing if you if you're so inclined. Because if you're listening to this, you like to listen to stuff, right? So, but you know, it, it it's also well worth the reading too because the illustrations are incredible in the book. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited about uh, this episode. I'm so excited that Theo is finally here on the show. Uh, I'm not going to ramble on any more. Sit back. Oh wait, wait. I should let me just check that I don't got notes. Nope, nope, no no notes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Theo Kogan on "Turned Out a Punk." Theo, thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs)
1: That's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, as you just met my uh, my long-suffering wife, Lauren, um, <laughs> and myself, you know, before we start recording, so you know how big of a deal this is for both, well, everyone in my household, even the kids. We listen to the Luna Chicks all the time with the kids, so oh, everyone's have... excited about this one.
1: That's so cool. I'm excited, too.
0: Well, I'm going to start it off the way they all start off, which is, Theo, how did you get into a puncture? remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Oof
1: um wow i feel like there's like so many different things i mean i mean a lot of it like i'm the older sibling like the oldest kid mm-hmm. so i started to discover things through my friends older siblings record collections and also just going to record stores and um i can tell you like the first two punk albums or you know like that i bought which were um x respects germ-free adolescence and um then walk among us by the misfits which kind of both sum up my whole self in a way
0: <laughs> well you know because it's funny because I, I just finished reading Flopian rhapsody and it's a fantastic book congratulations thank on that you. thank you so much um but one thing that yeah like it just seems like when you get t- start talking about punk you're immersed in it right away. Like you, you know, you mentioned Blondie right off the top and then you, you you know, you mentioned getting into those records. Like it seems like it was just part of, you know, New York culture, I guess in some way.
1: Yeah, I think it was. And yeah, I guess Blondie, it's like, that was uh, almost like now thinking about it. Of course, Blondie was probably the first. And also like, you know, I bought like a Pat Bennett album when I was quite young and, um, not that I would consider her punk. I mean, she's more rock, but she's got some punk in there. Oh, absolutely! And um, yeah, and yeah, Blondie was yeah. I mean, everything, and still like, I, I, it's like, I was looking through these old photos of just Debbie that were like online, and just she, she just blows my mind all the time. These like simple like, her in a cowboy hat. I was like, what? <laughs> when did this happen
0: <laughs> she, yeah she just seems to be someone who like just has always oozed cool
1: yeah yep,
0: yep. Uh, to this day you know she's yeah. still
1: cool <laughs> I'm finally like it took me so long to not be a complete idiot around her because I really would just like turn into like what's the matter the cat got your tongue when I'd be near her even though like you know I've recorded on you know an album with her and i've hung out with her and i've been to her house and all these they she came to our wedding like and still only up until the past probably five or so years have i not been
0: an idiot around her (laughs) (laughs) well i get it i would i i don't it would take me like a full decade to get over that thing yeah 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 but like you know that's something else that kind of comes up in the book is it like it seems like you know access to cool people or not access i should say but like just like cool people in your periphery being in new york was just something that that was just part of growing up
1: yeah definitely definitely i mean it was just like that here it's just you know and, and the beauty of being on foot a lot of the time is that that you can easily <laughs> run into <it> anybody <laughs>
0: Oh, that's the thing I find so fascinating about it, too. Like, New York, unlike any other city, like, I guess by virtue of the fact that it's so big, it's like there's just so many little pockets that are happening all at once and that seem to be happening almost completely independent of each other and that's mm-hmm. that's one of, that's one of the things that's always fascinating about the Lunar Chicks is because your band's not easy to kind of fit into oh that was a cbgb's hardcore band or that was like mm-hmm. a, a pig fuck band sorry whatever the name was the pig fucker, i think they called the genre like white i've
1: soul. never heard of that what is
0: it was, it? it's like <laughs> Pussy Galore, White Zombie. Oh,
1: uh, I never heard that term for them. I like it.
0: It's got to be the worst, you know, name oh for a genre. <laughs> but I don't think that's probably why it didn't catch on. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, your band is not a band that, you know, is, is part of, you know, on the surface, at least, part of any one of these scenes, you know, obviously. So I find that's the thing that's so amazing about the city. It's just there's so much going on. And, and in the book, like you're, you're right at the heart of it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, white zombies used to, they were here back when we were in high school and when we started the band. So, you know, the, there was a drummer, I feel like he had a twin and they lived in the neighborhood that I live in now, which is Park Slope, which is where Sid grew up and I used to come hang out and, uh, you would see these kids bopping around with their big giant curls and long hair. And, you know, I would run into Shauna in the city and it's this, yeah. And then boom. <laughs> so
0: yeah. In the book you talk about having kind of, well, like, you know, not just yourself, but like, uh, you know, the rest of the band kind of talk about your parents being kind of cool and hip and like, you know, politically progressive. Did, mm-hmm. What kind of music were they listening to?
1: You know, they, <sighs> like my mom loves Fleetwood Mac. They loved like the Stones and I had all these, I had really cool like German versions of Stones albums that they had. And, um, but then like, they like, you know, we had like Saturday Night Fever and we had, um, Oh God! What else? Yeah, they got into like a disco thing, but but really, they mostly listened to classical music, which really, you know, it just put me to sleep. Even though it's beautiful, <laughs> I mean, I'm so, it's true. It's just true. It just always was like so. I, and you know, um, I think that they probably would have liked if I had gone in that musical <laughs> direction, <laughs> but no. <laughs>
0: Well, I think it would have shaped the uh, the way this household turned out from, uh, yeah. you know, so I, I think we're very happy with the direction you took uh, over here. <laughs> uh, like, you know, it, you kind of bring it up in the book, but you're also growing up in New York. And this is like come from a lot of people that have been on the show that grew up uh, during the same sort of time period. It, it's it's a rough city to grow up in. Like you talk about mm-hmm. the, son, the son of Sam and, and yep. attempted kidnappings and obviously mm-hmm. assaults and, and just... Yep. It, it, it seems like a city that, you know, ages a kid really quickly, yet all you kids are are just kind of running around in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's very much how it was. And I think that especially when, this, you know, in the time before cell phones and everything, it was like, once you're out of the house, you were out of the house, you know, mm. and you were up to whatever you were up to. And if you had found a payphone phone that worked and you needed help, good, good for you. Yeah. So it was just, you know, um, and that was part of our sort of traveling together because it was much safer that way. Um, but, you know, and it's also that thing of like being young and fearless and sort of feeling like you're, you know, you, you're you like a, a little superhero that, that nothing's gonna happen to you even if you do dumb shit. So it's like, um, it's a whole combination. And I'm sure that kids are doing a lot of dumb stuff today that I don't know about yet um my child is a tween so we're just beginning to get there
0: (laughs) I've got a tween too and it's Uh it's terrifying like it's really and there's stuff that you know and obviously like I'm growing up in Toronto and it's 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 a, a little bit safer, you know. Certainly from the stuff that's going on, um, you know. Certainly looking at crime statistics and whatnot um, at the time. But like, still, like there's stuff that I was getting away with. There's no way, like my mm-hmm. kid would be. I was going to shows as a tween. My kid's not mm-hmm. going to a show. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be like. I think that's that's also a great point that's made in your book that your parents were also kind of strict because they knew mm-hmm. what was up more than anyone else. Yes. And I guess maybe that's our our poor kids are gonna be burdened with parents that know what's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true.
1: That's very true. And I already like, I've already had this moment where Lucy, my daughter, was like, you know, you just don't understand, mom. Like about some crazy look she wanted to do to go out. And I was like, look at me. I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody understands i think it's me yeah
0: so it's <laughs> oh, very funny uh, it's it's very funny and it's i think this is going to be if there is a punk scene after everything's over that for these young kids to go into they're going to be much older when they start doing yeah. all this stuff <laughs> yes yes uh- where did you kind of go in terms of like punk stuff after you get these first two records? Like what was the first concert you went to? It doesn't even have to be a punk show.
1: Oh my God. So my first concert was um, at Webster hall, which was then what uh, the Ritz
0: back yeah. in the day. Yeah.
1: And, um, and it was an all ages show. I think I was probably 12. I want to say, I don't know who I went with honestly, but it, are you ready for this? It's not very punk, but it's kind of awesome. I went to see Musical Youth. Oh, that's
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think at, no matter who it was at the Ritz, it was going to be at least passable. But I imagine that would have been that would have been a pretty awesome heavy show.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ducci.
0: Yep. What brought you there? Was it like the single or like, you know what?
1: Yeah, the single and like an all age, you know, it was like for like young. There weren't all ages shows that I remember at that time, but this was like, I don't know if it's 12 and up or was fully all ages because they were so young. But yeah, somehow that was like my first show by myself.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Were were kids smoking weed at that show? Was it like? i'm
1: sure and i'm sure i mean it's hard to even know if i knew what that was i'm sure no i did know what that was i had friends whose parents smoked so i knew what the smell was i'm sure that was happening again my my memory is pretty foggy but um yeah and then i went to i went to many other i meant i went to a lot of like um like i i saw dead boys reunion also at the ritz i saw so many shows there and like irving plaza back then like i saw um cramps a couple nights in a row where like lux like beat some kid in the head with a mic with a mic stand (laughs) it was like oh in heels and everything and it was like it was just like i was shocked and amazed and um
0: what else? Um, what I were the di- sorry? I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, no, it's okay. It was uh, Wendy Williams. I saw with Man of War. That was a good one. Too. <laughs> Wendy Williams. Yes, that was a little later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what that's a, incredible! That's an amazing. What was the stage show for that thing like? That's incredible. Thick.
1: Yeah, it was insane. It was <laughs> insane.
0: Yeah. What was a Dead Boys reunion like? Because the record's not so hot, but I could imagine live they would have still been incredible.
1: It was incredible. I mean, I I I I feel like there was maybe two nights of that too. I went to however many nights it was happening, and I stood in the front and like got totally crushed by people. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, that's definitely one of my all time fave bands too. So it was like I couldn't believe they were having a reunion, and I got to go. <laughs>
0: I mean there are tons of others too well yeah no it's amazing when you think obviously. about oh sorry it's amazing when you think about that um that band you know like it's like you know we talked about Blondie and obviously you know you talk about the Ramones or the Talking Heads or even Suicide like it's punk and it's definitely punk rock and it, it like it's I love it it's the best music in the world but at the same time it's not the dead boys punk like the dead boys mm-hmm. you know like they're like the best
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: well so i guess the other stuff that's kind of happening at the rain around the same time as as you start i guess going to shows is like there's the big sort of like new york hardcore cbgb's matinee kind of mm-hmm. mid-80s scene did you go to those shows
1: I would go to some i went to some matinees and i usually didn't go inside because a i didn't want to pay and b i was kind of scared this was like when i was like 15 yeah so i would kind of just hang outside with my friend and it was like it was it was it was definitely like a feeling of being not very safe
0: yeah
1: (laughs) but um and then what was very funny was when we did our photo shoot for babysitters on acid which was our first album and we were in the photographer Michael Levine's studio, which was like right across the street, sort of catty corner across. It was on a Sunday, I guess, and there was a, a matinee going on, and there were like, we could see almost like a bird's eye view of like these crazy fights breaking out like all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like in between shots, we're like, oh my God, check this out. So that was pretty funny. And that was like later too, but you know, it was
0: still going. Well, that that scene just gets gnarlier and gnarlier, right? Like as it it goes yeah. on, it got it got heavier and heavier.
1: Yeah, and I like I love so many of those bands, and so many of those dudes are like awesome, and like there's so much respect and love from them. And at the same time, like it did not feel like a welcome place for girls at all. And like the girls who were in there were like mean and scary. <laughs> 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 so. <laughs> So yeah, it was like, it was like a, you know, sort of a little bit
0: from afar. The war zone women are intimidating.
1: There. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And then, and then we're like, do you, I can't remember what single it is, but we're like, we're all over this war zone single. He, he like Ray put all these pictures of us inside <laughs> without asking or telling. And I remember hearing like, did you see you're all over this? And, seeing it he was so nice he was always so nice he used to like be a, a bouncer at the ritz shows and other places and was always such a sweetheart um to us so it was kind of funny but but that that was a big surprise yeah. <laughs> are we wars on women i don't know <laughs> i guess so.
0: <laughs> um, it, it, it. you also like uh you know um What you do that the first seven inch with Don Fury too. So there's also like Sonic connection to it. I love true. He's so unheralded as a force in American underground music.
1: Yes, he is. He was, he was the man, you know, back then for everybody. I mean,
0: yeah it's wild when you go through his catalog and it's like, you know, it's like obviously, you know, the war zones and the agnostic fronts of the world, but it's also like yourselves, cat power. Like Mm. he, he was recording a lot of different stuff. Like, and I guess once again, it speaks to the diversity of just kind of the music that was coming out of New York at that time.
1: Yeah. And he was in this like little, like he was, I feel like we had to go down into a basement to his place and he, like he lived upstairs and you had to like go down into like one of those like, you know basement um underground you
0: know rat type places <laughs> <laughs> i wonder it, is he still alive do you know oh yeah no For he's sure. definitely he he's, is he's still alive and i think he's actually still recording i'm I'm not 90 percent sure he's still recording bands like my 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 guitar player my band uh recorded with him in his old band that'll be about 20 years ago now though but i definitely know mm. people that have recorded with him more recently wow uh, that's awesome it's still kind of the same thing you can like when you record the drums you're recording on the same drum set that he recorded Victim in Pain on and oh. it's it's like you feel like you're touching uh New York hardcore history or like New York music history yeah oh so cool another thing you kind of brought up in the book which I thought was fascinating and you, you obviously just touched on it here a little bit is just how how there was this sort of like unintended quality given the fact that it's all dudes that it was almost like kind of quasi homoerotic at times or so there was like an eroticism mm-hmm. an eroticism to yeah. it and andrea di mateo actually when she was on the show made that exact same point so i thought she I, did yeah she did
1: <laughs>
0: she she also said uh you know she tight friends with you yourself and that uh but she said that when she watched these dudes fighting all she wanted them to do was come over so she could smell their armpits <laughs> Oh my
1: god, that's hilarious I would definitely not want to smell their armpits No, I don't think I (laughs) would Definitely not (laughs) But But yeah,
0: that shit was hot It it does have this kind of (laughs) (laughs) But it does have this kind of like other side to it where there is sort of like you know it's just like young kids with like or young men with like completely unchecked testosterone and it it, it is Mm -hmm. and like you know you'll you bring up this you know once again like not i'm not going to give away everything in the book because the book is once again everyone has to read this thing it is it is an incredible read but uh you bring up the story that happens when you're when you're making sit and nancy or when you're working on Sid and Nancy where. Gary he Oldman gets the shit kicked out of him by his skinhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 these guys are, like, very protective of their scene. And, and it makes sense because, you know, when you really think about, like, the core dudes who were basically, like, a bunch of, like, little pit bulls that all lived together, you know, scrounged for shit and learned how to fight for themselves. It's like they were... It was like, you know, I kind of see it that way too now of like, you know, I guess maybe also like with some distance and being a parent, it's like, it's literally like a bunch of little baby pit bulls who like a couple of them got burned with cigarettes, the other one got his leg bit and they're just like, "Ah!" and rolling around together, you know? And, and I don't mean that without total love and understanding, you know, it's like, there was that aspect to it too, of like, you know, we, we, we have each other's backs and we're buddies and this is how we show our love to each other too, in a way, you know, or, and receive it. So, I mean, that's in a much deeper way of maybe I'm totally wrong also. (laughs) No, no, I
0: definitely, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like you hear about these people's stories and like enough of them have written books at this point that Mm -hmm. you hear a lot of these stories in it. And like, these are people that are suffering through trauma and yep. And unfortunately, you know, inflicting it on other people. At the yes. the same time that they're dealing with it. Yes, absolutely. But it also, you know, once again, is is just like one other scene that's going on. And kind of in the book, you talk about how eventually you you just decide that you have to kind of build your own scene. Like, was there a place that you felt the band was kind of fitting in in the very beginning when you first formed? Or v- well, there
1: were...
0: No, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, or, or that you could see yourself potentially fitting in?
1: Yeah, because we had so many friends in bands locally here. There was like the Freaks with Howie Pyro, who's like our long life friend. There was this band Raging Slab. They were like much more like rock. Mm -hmm. Um, There were there were like and it was like more of a mishmash of sounds. And, you know, there was like a garage scene going on and then there was sort of rock scene and then. It was almost like pre-grunge or maybe grunge was happening, but there wasn't a name for it yet, or at least I didn't know of it. Um, And so we just were like, when we played the first show, it was with these bands, you know, with a bunch of friends. And so we were sort of like, in a way, instantly welcomed in just because we were friends with everybody. We didn't know how well we would be received and all of that. But, um, but it was like, It was a, 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 you know, a very warm space for us at that point. And, and also we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And we were like, yeah, we'll play a show. You know, it was just like, we, we were up for anything and didn't expect anything. You know, it was like, we didn't know that we were going to have a career. We were just like, you know, high schoolers, like wanting to have fun and thinking, you know, because our friends played music that we could too. And so we did. You know, it was, that's kind of as simple as it was. And we were very lucky in a lot of ways, you know, it didn't, it didn't hit me until writing this book, honestly, that we were like art school kids that started a band. I was like, God, how did I miss that one? You know, <laughs> on <all these> years. <laughs> I, I,
0: I think that, you know, that definitely is in the book, but I think more than that, what comes across to me is it's like New York kids and like kids yes. that are growing up in this New York culture and just, you know, feeding off it and, and, you know, becoming part of it.
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we were, we were just like little, you know, sponges. We were like, we drank it all up in every pore, you know, that we could and then, you know, tried to spit it back out
0: <laughs> Yeah. in uh, our own way. It seems, though, like, the scene you would have been part of, like, based on the bands you just mentioned, was, like, really different than that sort of, like, you know, you talk about this a little bit in the book, like, the that blast first scene and the Sonic Youth mm-hmm. and the Dinosaur Jr. scene, like, like that was almost like a, a separate world that was happening.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we had never... I didn't really know who Sonic Youth was. I mean, I, I kind of knew, but I didn't really. And when, after uh, we recorded... Did we record that? Yeah. And then we went to the UK and toured with Dinosaur Jr. I had never heard them, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. it was all like this, you know. It was it was the it was the, you know, the business. Even though it was a smaller one than you know many, just throwing us into what they had and what they knew. And yeah, we had we knew nothing, you know. We weren't part of that. We were, we were definitely part of a more um, you know sort of underground. There was the band The Willies. Um, maybe they were a little bit, asked, but I feel like they were around then and that had, you know, one of my inspirational singers was this chick Lynn Vaughn who's still like singing and is still amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the time we just sort of got we got thrown into these scenes and thrown into being lumped in with things that really we have nothing to do with. Uh,
0: you know, you you mentioned, also mentioned in the book Frightwig and the influence mm-hmm. that, that band had, and they're they're so no one talks about that band. Like I was just like shocked to read about them in the book, and I made me dig out the record because they are they're awesome.
1: Yeah, they are so awesome. Like for me, that was like the um, in Seinfeld. Is it Seinfeld? No, in Taxi. Okay, going back. In Taxi, when Jim eats the hash brownie for the first time and <laughs> is like dumbstruck. <laughs> <laughs> that was me seeing Brightwing. That's like just completely like, what is this? And I need more immediately. And look, I mean, it was it blew my mind. It really did. Yeah, And um, I think that was a big sort of, I could do this too, if they can do it, you know, and just again, because
0: why not? What was, what was the, uh, label plan before the blast first thing? Like, were, were you planning on putting out, like, had you, cause you do the first two demos, right? Like one's just like a practice mm-hmm. tape. And then there's one that must be just before, um, you know, where you've got like making it with other species, maybe <laughs> rock, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but and Jan Brady's on that too but but like was there like another label because blast is obviously like such a a different kind of space
1: yeah no I mean, we just made demos I think you know at that point we were just like we'll make give them to whoever and you know to, to just to try to get a gig you had to send a demo <laughs> and um so there was that and then the you know the blast first thing happened because of Kim and Thurston finding us so that was a complete fluke and that was again another thing that like captain obvious didn't realize here for years of like oh my god we got signed after like our second or third show and it was because those two came and wanted to produce us thinking we were trying to be a noise band when we were not trying to be <laughs> a noise band so they but thankful you know grateful to them for for being interested and then we got our first you know records because of them so even though it didn't work out with working together
0: like were they originally going to produce sugar love because i know in the book you talk about them producing the lp um mm-hmm. but like were they supposed to do sugar love before that or was that just always going to be with just Don fury and you yourselves producing it
1: that was probably, if that was with Don Fury, then yes. But maybe they were supposed to do it. I remember, like, when we got signed to Blast First, there were, like, Paul Smith, the owner, was, like, back and forth from here to and England. And so that must have happened on purpose, I'm going to guess. But then they were supposed to do Babysitters, and that just didn't work out. Yeah. So, um but I got, I remember there's so like, I had never really hung out in like little Italy over here. And that's where the guy's like apartment and office first was. And we were like having meetings and cafes and on the street. And, you know, it was, um, it was like a a moment. And, uh, and, you know, he really made us feel like we were going to
0: be huge. (laughs) Well, yeah. Cause like in a pre Nirvana kind of exploding world, like that's like the 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 top, right? Like Blast First, Homestead, like those are like the big the big dogs in the independent record label world. Wow, at that time, Ooh. right? I I know I like I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> remember when I said we didn't know anything? Still don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what uh, you know? Uh, I've I've done a lot of stuff with dinosaur junior over the years. uh what was it like touring with them at that point as people? Cause not necessarily the most chatty band. And I can imagine they were also having some pretty intense interpersonal issues.
1: Yeah. They didn't talk to each other. And that was the weirdest thing we'd ever imagined from a band since we were like, you know, besties. It was like, they did not, it was like, Oh, he doesn't talk to him. Like, and you could tell. And then when they're on stage, they were fine, but it was so bizarre. And, um, my sister went to was in like Am- Amherst, in Massachusetts and so Jay was always there. He lived up there. So then we would see him anytime we went up there. We would run into him and he he used to go see like lots of bands so he went my my sister was very funny. She had like so many bands at Hampshire that one time I went up there and she it was like she was in every band that played and he was there. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: <random. laughs> it's it's a real cool scene up there too because it's just like it feels like it, it's like a a scene unto itself that just perpetuates like constant turnover of these like yeah it's like tons of bands where everyone's in each other's bands
1: yeah yeah
0: it's it yeah like a definitely kind of like a, a different vibe than i could imagine like getting thrust into like sort of like this real careerist music world that you were thrust yeah. into right away as a band after a couple yeah.
1: of years. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a dream come true and it was all like so exciting and we were so young and, you know, we're just also like, just, you know, seeing like the, the big uh, Diana Ross, you know, billboards and <laughs> like, names and lights and all of that is wild time. Yeah. And we were still teenagers, you know, on top of it. So it's like, that's what's so weird too thinking about that we were teenagers because how did we even handle that i don't know
0: (laughs) well that's the thing you like and it wasn't until i reading the book that i really put it all together and i'm like oh my gosh yeah you're you are so young Mm -hmm. when you first get started. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: it 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 must have been like were your parents kind of like weirded out that you know you're like essentially professional rock musicians i i think that they were excited
1: and also were just like uh probably a little bit baffled and didn't know what was going to happen and um ultimately they probably wanted me to finish school which didn't happen (laughs) Yeah, i was like "Ah, i could go back someday but you know that's what they all say (laughs)
0: Well, it's so hard, too, because, you know, like, how do you get the kid back on the farm once they've seen those big city, you know, name and lights? Oh, lines? my God. I mean,
1: I knew when the offer was, like, go to England and play on, you know, go on tour or stay in school. And it was just, like, come on. Like, there's no question. Like, obviously, this you have to, like, seize the moment and do it. and um, And I have no regrets at all for doing that.
0: Yeah, no, it's like one of those things where, you know, like how many people get the opportunity to do this Mm -hmm. kind of thing? It's like so. Yeah. And even though it's probably, you know, now with kids, there's the last thing I want them to do would be do this. But, you know. (laughs) but at the same time you know if they did decide to do it how could i stand in their way like your parents right
1: i mean they did they didn't you know they they probably would have you know they really wanted me to be an artist and ultimately that's what happened Mm -hmm. um i think they were pushing for visual art and um at a certain point and um you know i just feel like i've always just been an artist through and through like and it's come out of me in different ways at different times so um you know visual musical makeup you know it's uh it's all just art
0: yeah no it's exactly it's just like uh where you choose to apply the creativity at any given time
1: exactly
0: uh well one person who definitely had a unique approach to creativity but like would have been also lurking around at that time would be Gigi Whoa. allen did you guys ever have any run-ins
1: no um once i heard there was this guy performing and like shitting and throwing shit i was like yeah don't need to go see that <laughs> don't want someone's shit worry. all over me no thank you so i didn't go i you know it was like i had friends who went and would be like oh my god it was so amazing but what is funny is that um and you know you can leave this in or not whatever but the the guy who made that the GGL Allen Doc is Todd Phillips. Yep. Who also like one of his first things was my husband's old band in Delaware. Like he filmed their first like a video and he was in Taxi Cab Confessions with Todd. And then now Todd's got the Joker. You know, it's just it's it's an interesting, like, I don't know, path to follow.
0: That's so weird. Yeah. yeah I had no idea that he had any sort of music connection outside yes. of making that documentary. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm
0: wow that's very bizarre yeah like it's it's it was when i was watching the oscars it's like if he was this oscar that's that's the weirdest yeah trajectory in a career ever right
1: i know (laughs) the hangover to like the joke i mean the movie was incredible too i have
0: to say i loved it yeah Yeah. he he like i don't know i find all like even road trip like all his movies i he manages to find uh the the I don't know, just <laughs> like the 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 absurdity and the insanity and the terribleness in everything and everything and bring it to the screen. Yes. That's true. <laughs> um one movie I gotta talk to you about because uh I bought this a couple years ago at a used DVD store and I had no idea this thing existed until I saw it, but Ooh. Potluck. <laughs> yes. That, that's a wild cast that you're in with that movie. right
1: yes Sylvia Miles I mean the fact that I was in a fucking movie with Sylvia Miles of Midnight Cowboy yeah. was incredible I mean she was a, and I used to see her around too because she would like go to parties and you know like events and stuff and you'd see her in her like sequin baseball cap and her wig and I was like oh there's Sylvia Miles you know and um yeah yeah, that whole cast
0: bonkers. Oh, it's what a Patsy from uh from Raging Bull, and and oh yeah, and like it's it's and a lot of people that would wind up becoming, you know, uh, bit part players or even like small kind of reoccurring roles in The Sopranos.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And Frank, who is um you know the the lead, um was in Goodfellas, like yeah. in the scene where it's like you know. What am I, my clown?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it, funny. It, it, it seemed like it would have been a real interesting set to be on. Like, first of all, uh, was the weed real that people were smoking?
1: Not for me. Um, there, there may have, oh yeah. Cause Jay from, um, what, what was that crazy stoner?
0: Jason Muse from <laughs> yeah. Jay and Silent Bob.
1: Yes. He was definitely, I mean, I don't know what he was on, but he was definitely, something was going
0: on there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Tommy Chong and David Peel, I imagine, were, were probably picturing yes, some real weed. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm sure there was weed all around, you know. Um, for me personally, I didn't, I, I would have been like I can't do the weed anymore. It's like I, I get so paranoid that I'd literally be like under the couch in fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, mine was fake.
0: But, uh, It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. Like it really is a, an interesting film. Like, did it come out theatrically or is it just kind of straight to video?
1: No, um, no, it did not. It, I I actually, oh my God. I went to like, it was actually Toronto film festival that it was in after it was, I guess when it was coming out and I came up there, they flew me up and I went to the showing and then I went to this party that was like, like Mar- Mary J. Juana everywhere. And there were like ways to smoke it. I have never heard of things. It was, and then Woody Harrelson was there and he's like a big pothead, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, and then I was just like contact high and, and the party was going on. And suddenly I was like, I have to go. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I am, but I know where my hotel is. And I just like left and got in a cab and went and
0: got fetal. <laughs> <like content. laughs> that would have been at one of Toronto's infamous vaporizer lounges.
1: Yes. There were like weird, like, like pulsating bags with
0: yeah, you know, tendrils
1: of. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm uh, a frequenter of those establishments. And, oh, uh, good for you. I definitely well, have. Power
1: too.
0: <laughs> I have been in a couple of those. I went in there one time and and Lady Gaga came in and someone gave her a dab. See? It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. I thought if it wasn't, oh. I thought it was just the weed at first.
1: That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> it was a very weird egg. Um, <laughs> uh, what was it like, kind of like when, you know, like, is your band weathers so many different, you know explosions and and just changes in the music industry and i'm just kind of fascinated to see like what did you kind of notice in the shift like from that period where nirvana explodes and then kind of into that sort of you know i guess fat records uh post green day kind of world like did you notice a shift in who was coming to see you play
1: Oh yeah. I mean, our, our, the age of our audience flipped, like it was, you know, it was like the 20 somethings like college age. And then it went down to teenagers mm-hmm. and all ages. And, you know, a lot of that was Stormy Shepard, our amazing booking agent who we still work with to this day and, um, and the bands that we were playing with. And, and that was fascinating too because we were sort of like, how does this, you know, our, our first tour in the U S was at the dictators. And, um, (laughs) after we, we like took ourselves to the West coast for a minute. Yeah. We went on this tour and like, it was probably, I want to say like 91 or something that we toured with them. And we were literally in like a minivan stuffed in a minivan (laughs) us, you know, are the five of us and a driver. And, um, it was hilarious. It was yeah,
0: that was a very New York tour moment. Um did you did you know those guys from like uh, you know around? Like Handsome Dick had the bar, right? Uh, Manitoba. Yeah, that would have been yeah, later, yeah. I guess.
1: Yeah, that was definitely later. But yeah, we we knew them from around and we were fans, you know. I had yeah. albums and and of course Man of War, obviously. Yep. We yeah, we of them, course I love man of war. And so it was like, wow, we're going on to tour of the dictators and what's like in Europe. Like you can go somewhere where nobody knows a lick of English and you walk in and you're from New York and people are like, dictators, <laughs> Johnny Thunders, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's like the go-tos, or at least they were, I don't know anymore. It could be very different now, but back in the day, that's, that was like the thing.
0: Well, it's funny. Cause like, yeah. it is, it's like New York's branding is definitely like music right like it's probably yeah it might be different bands now but like it's there's definitely like people would go to to music as the first thing
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's true and what's funny too that there was like this whole stigma i remember with like you know nobody from new york gets signed and like okay that's not true and then it was like well if you go to if you go to california then you get signed which in some cases is true but <clears throat> then it was like well, what about the ramones what about you know it was like kiss the ramones like blondie like you 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 hear these things and you're like but that's not true so then it's like how many other things are not true like you know that people say and like did they say it to us because we were women don't know but um but like i feel like there are so many like ways for people to be like snarky and cause stigma you know
0: Mm -hmm. um well, no, I know you're saying about how like New York has all these like, you know, no one gets signed. Like it feels like a city that bands could get trapped in, you know, like mm-hmm. it's big enough. And if your band gets popular enough, you would just be like, well, I don't I don't need to tour. I'm just going to be king of my little pond.
1: I feel like that happens still for yeah. sure. Actually, now that I think about it, that's a really good point. And we were definitely ones that were like, let's go, you know, <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> Let's go see some stuff, you know, It's
0: so cool. Uh, one of the first things you, you put out is that, you know, it's, uh, well, I think the, maybe even the first thing that came out on vinyl is that flexi with dinosaur junior where, mm. where you do the Herschel Gordon Lewis cover. Oh yeah. Where were you kind of getting into all that kind of trash culture, horror culture stuff? Cause that's such oh. a prevalent theme.
1: So so prevalent and so incredible to have been exposed to that. So we had this friend Sarah, who had all these videos. She had at some point she had a boyfriend who had like this insane collection of movies, and so she started turning us on to like John Waters and all. I watched so much insane like B and C horror movies at that age that I was just like obsessed with all of it. And then Howie Pyro, once we started, we met him and started hanging out with him. It was like, go to Howie's house and the movies go on and, or albums, whatever it was. And then like, suddenly you're like, it's 5.00 AM. And I'm still here watching this insane movie that I can't take my eyes off. So um, yeah, I feel like those were like the, the, you know, the amazing sort of leaders of all of that. And then it was just like, anytime you went to the video stores, like what kind of crazy shit could you find? And I really like video stores, like, okay. Like when you'd go to like ones that had all the crazy shit, that would be easy. It would be hard to decide, but then like going to like when Blockbuster was around, I just remember like, I don't know if we even had one here, but even like the local smaller places, after like 10 minutes of looking for something and like talking about who well, should we watch this or should we get this? I would just want to lay down on the floor <laughs> and give up. Yeah. like I give up. I don't care.
0: <laughs> it It is such a, like that feels like a trillion years ago. Like record stores obviously feel right. contemporary, but like the idea of a video store, <laughs> seems. I know. Crazy. Uh, it's a, it would have been with the, uh, with the gramophones or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> back then. But it also like it's kind of underappreciated. And I guess it comes up earlier when we're talking about Todd Phillips, but like how kind of like tied together these two things were, like the idea of like, you know, punk culture, punk music, but also this idea of like video culture and like you know, digging through old films and trying to find like cool B movies or or making weird B movies too eventually. Mhm. Yeah, It feels like it was like, like you said earlier, like it's, you know, it's just where the art shows up or where the creativity is directed, but like, it definitely feels like that would have been, you know, something that would have also been hanging around New York at the same time.
1: Oh yeah. And then when, you know, in, what was it like 98, when we did the trauma film where it was like the toxic event, you know, we watched so many trauma films and then there I was in a trauma film and then we got to be in a, you know, the band was in a trauma film and that film was where me and my hubs like that's like we had hung out, seen each other around. But that film, we were on the set every day, and then suddenly I was like, "Oh wow, I really like him."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and people think it's only totally good for the gore. They forget that it's also a lot of romance.
1: love love Love. everyone
0: yeah exactly (laughs) ultimately all those movies are love stories too when you get down to the core of them
1: that is true that is
0: true (laughs) but that is you know it's it's amazing how you know i take my kids now to comic book conventions and Mm. just to still see the cult of trauma like that is that is such a huge movie that you're in Oh my God! Well, it's like, it's, I worked at a video store and people would come in and rent that when I was working at the video store. And then, you know, like still people, like they still sell it. Like, I don't know if you get royalties from that or anything, but they still no,
1: have. No, of course
0: not. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> nothing. Yeah. I don't, uh... I don't think, I don't think that's maybe their strong suit, but, uh, you know, that's
1: not in their business plan. <laughs> I'll no. tell you that. <laughs> no,
0: no, but it's, but still... I love them. I'm yeah. Well, and I just like, uh, not to cut you off, but like, I just think uh, the impact that movie is still being felt.
1: Wow. That's (laughs) really cool.
0: (laughs) It's very funny. Was there ever, like when, when took the hiatus, were you ever kind of like, I don't know, tempted to, like, do you feel like you wanted to ever do other, other, you know, projects? Or is it like something where this is who you are?
1: No, I mean, I did, we, I, I did like a solo thing. And then I did skyscrapers and I did stuff with um, big art group and I did other performance things and, you know, and, and sung it at, at uh, you know, big drag bars. And, you know, there was a lot that happened and then I started DJing and, um, but it just felt, it was like very raw the lunatic's feeling and it was like it it was it needed some time to sort of you know I don't know to to bake and gel and and then come out the other end of like oh my god this is and I always had this feeling I mean long ago I was like we're gonna play when we're like old ladies (laughs) (laughs) I imagine like very old but um you know with like walkers like 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 all like Sophia the you know Ma from Golden Girls like five of us or four of us and um I don't know why and maybe it's sort of that that idea of like manifestation it just it's just it was it just feels like time again and it's like um it's exciting and it's it's there's so much love between all of us and and we we go into rehearsal and we like Chat and laugh, and like writing the book, we were like laughing our butts off, and it was also very emotional. And there were times that it was very hard to get through, and you know, like, and we did a lot of snacking. I mean, we when we all <laughs> met together, it was like <laughs> a snack fiesta every time.
0: Well, it, it is like it is such a great book, and it does feel like I don't know, like you're saying, like there's there's certain bands where it gets to a point and you know, it just becomes a job for them and they can just kind of do it like that, but it just feels like there's, uh, you know, like a lot of love between you and the band and it just, Mm -hmm. it, it probably needed that time to, to get the love again.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think like, you know, like all of us were doing our own things and businesses and this and that. And, um, you know, like, personality crisis you know becoming a parent was just like such a and and going from being in front of the camera to being a makeup artist behind the camera and like all these like weird just like confusing as fuck things that you know that I know I went through I mean just like going like going and going into school and having like the parent teacher conference the first time I was like almost hysterically crying the minute I walked in and why just because it was so like, it just felt crazy, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, and then it's like, well, I'm a parent, you know, and, but am I still that person? Am I still a rock star? Like, no, that was somebody else, you know, It's, it's,
0: well, it, it is because it is like, I don't know. It, it, it's the, the more I've kind of like, you know, thought about it over the years, like it is something that affects your brain chemistry. Like, yeah, there's no way it can't.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And so we have to go back to doing or doing other things. It's just, it's such a hard adjustment. Like, that's why, that's why so few people can walk away. You know, that's why so many yeah. people cling on to it with their you know, and that's not just like cling on to it because you love playing. I mean, but like cling on to the, you know, like the attention of it.
1: Yeah. I think the attention and the sort of like, I I don't have to deal with my life and myself, like watching some, you know, people also who are like very, you know, messed up with drugs and whatever. It's like, you know, do what you want to do clearly, but there's something that that would drive me insane even back then of like, you know, cause we were just so fucking DIY. It was just like carrying our own shit, setting up our own shit, doing the sound check, you know, all of the things that we watch other bands that got bigger and had more money, have people do all that for them. And, and, and it was like, I bet you couldn't even fucking set up your amp if you had to at this point, you know? And like, I was, I was, good at you know setting up and breaking down the drums and you know it's just um, there was something that was very like uh, what's the word it's like
0: it was like a job right like it's like a it's it's, It's like a
1: job yes and but yeah but it's like also watching people sort of just act It's almost like infantile. Like they don't grow as people because they're allowed to remain as like bratty kids, and and you know whatever.
0: I I've heard and I and I maintain this, you know, that you stop maturing the the year you become a professional musician. Like (laughs) that's your age forever.
1: (laughs) It's so true. It's like addicts. Like the day you started.
0: That is so true. It's it's someone told me that. And and I, and I really, ever since then, I'm like, yep, no, I definitely, I am forever going to be 28 years old. And, uh, oh
1: my God, that's so good. Thank you for that. That is just everything that makes sense in the world. (laughs) And it,
0: and it, it, and I because you're right. Like you can just, it's like Neverland, right? Like you can go and slip into this world and never grow up
1: exactly exactly and that started to piss me off and maybe it's just because i wasn't allowed those you know um delicacies and those you know having the people to do all the things but maybe i was jealous you know like i i want to be the person that that gets to not grow up too but then at the same time i didn't i wanted to grow mm-hmm. so um and and i wanted to you know like I don't know, the, 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 the of the art needed to find its, you know, noodle around in another way it, for a while.
0: It must be like, you know, like obviously before we came on, uh, you know, we talked with Lauren and stuff like that and you're like, you're the reason that her and her friends started playing music, started making music, mm-hmm. Like, but like, Amazing. well, you've become that, like, you know, you talk about these artists early on in the book that were like that for you, but like, yeah and and then the thing is like you're accessible which is something completely different than all these like people that are you know Pat Benatar was not accessible in no in, you know but you 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 are like you your band was coming to town and people could see you and and talk yeah. to you after the show.
1: True. True. And I mean that that means the world to me to to know that that's why she started like god that's beautiful. It's beautiful.
0: Well, this has been beautiful and anytime you want to come back on here and talk about anything please know i would love to this was this is like a dream come true because like as i say like not just lauren but myself like your band is just like one of the all-time great bands and i think this the scenes you you unite to me as someone that does this podcast and is obsessed with uniting scenes you know like <laughs> i through your band i can connect sonic youth to the swing and utters like that no what Mm-hmm. Happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And the go-go's and the go-go like just so much stuff. Like yeah. that's, it's just like, uh, you're like, I don't know. The Loon Chicks are, are just like one of those bands and forever will be one of those bands. And it's been an honor to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time hanging out.
0: Thank you, Theo, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Theo will be back for a part two at some point in the future, because there's a lot more to talk about, there's there's way more to get to, but in the meantime, check out Fallopian Raps- Rhapsody out now on audiobook form and in printed text, and as I mentioned, incredible artwork in that as well. That is on Hachette Books, and also I should mention, uh, uh, Jenny Fury also co-writes it with the band, and it is uh yeah, it's great. And, and uh, you know, you heard me, you heard me talk about it with her. You heard me talk about it. All right. Speaking of talking about, I'm going to be talking about next week. Cause next week on the show, hopefully knock on wood. It's going to be, uh, cause I, I haven't completed the recording of this week, but it, it's supposed to knock on wood be, uh, the rise against week on the show in celebration of their brand new record. Nowhere generation, kicking it off with Tim McElrath on the show. And believe me, this is an incredible one. As you know, I'm a fan here of Chicago punk rock, specifically Chicago DIY punk rock in the 90s. And Tim is, is oh my gosh, he is a deep head and connects a lot of worlds. A lot of worlds. If you think you've heard an interview with Tim before, I don't know if you heard one like this. We go deep. We go nerdy. You know, he is, he is uh, yeah, it's a fun one. All right, uh, and then there's going to be a bunch of other stuff in, throughout the week. I think, not on wood, we'll have a, a, you know maybe two more episodes, at least one more, but hopefully two more episodes next week. So that is not to be missed. Rise Against, a lot of weird, it's like a punk supergroup, and it brings together a lot of disparate worlds, uh, specifically in Chicago. Anyway, you're going to hear me ramble on about this next week. Remember, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. We need to protect trans kids. We need to help trans people protect themselves. We need to stop hate and violence towards Asian people, toward people that believe in different faiths. We need to just, you know, it just, it sometimes feels insurmountable, but these are things we need to do because once again, these are not political issues. Political issues are like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting crosswalks in there, you know, that's political, you know, that, that that's a political issue. I'll, bike lanes. I'll even say bike lanes are political. Sure. You know, that could be argued that that's political, but these are not political issues. These are issues of just human rights. People are just trying to live their lives as, as best they can. Uh, so get involved, you know, get informed, read, uh, just, just see what's going on in this world, you know, and, and see where you can help and, and can you know, maybe do something, help, help change. At least get yourself informed. That's the least you can do. Uh, go out there and make your own culture, because anyone can do this shit. A podcast. Phew, look how many of these things there are out there now. Which is once again why I appreciate you listening to this one. Uh, but you, you know, maybe start a zine, start a band. You know, who knows where that stuff takes you? Who knows? You know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still uh, able to kind of do cool stuff because of you know, going out there and trying this thing and anyone can do this stuff. Uh, also, uh, do yourself a favor and, um, assign your organ donor cards. Well, not, I guess it doesn't really do you a favor, but it will help help someone else. You know, when you don't need those organs anymore, it'll definitely help someone else. So you're doing them a favor, but ultimately you're doing yourself a favor because like, you know, why don't you go out by, do, by doing something nice, you know, one last time. Ah, uh, and that's it. Um, stay safe. Uh, I love you and I will see you on the next episode. Remember to listen to oil and flowers. See you next time. Bye.